0: And now, the Jam Session Podcast. It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, review, hang out with us for a while right here on the Jam Session Podcast, sponsored as always by Greening Law, the personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights that legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal. But right now, that moment we've all been eagerly awaiting for has arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, the radio, the TV, the podcast star, the sexy. Jean Jacques Taylor. What up, though? I'm the non sexy one. It's Matt McLaren. And this is Jam Session, the podcast version 287, asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled.
1: If not entertained.
0: We got a lot to get to, man. A lot of thoughts on the Cowboys. I've got some audio from Stephen Jones that I'm sure all of you are going to want to hear what he had to say following the Cowboys' debacle on Sunday, the disaster in Dallas. I mean, call it whatever you want on Sunday night. And we're going to get into that. Todd Archer, our buddy with ESPN, covers the Dallas Cowboys and has for years. He's going to jump on with this, get his thoughts and insight. And we'll have a couple of stories when we take a trip around the block. But you guys, have you had to call greening law yet? Maybe you haven't had to. If not, good for you, man. But if you're like me and you were in a car accident and somehow like 15 months later, your back is still messed up from it. And you still got to go to all these appointments and get injections in your back. And now you're wondering what the hell's going on. That's why you need the green team on your side. Because I had my car accident. I went that next Monday, called them immediately. They asked me a few questions, took on my case, and they have been handling and fighting against the insurance companies ever since doing it for me. And I can't praise them enough, man. They have been fantastic. The process is easy. I would encourage you to give them a call if you think you've got a case. Greening Law, what they do, man, is they walk you through. What Matt can tell you is kind of a
1: tedious process, kind of a complicated process. They give you the answers to all the questions. Some of the questions you didn't know you were supposed to ask, and they give you the answers. You go, oh, really? Who Who knew? Not I. I didn't know what I didn't know. Um, and that's why if you're involved in any kind of accident, whether it's with an 18-wheeler, or at, a, at a business somewhere, an apartment complex, a grocery store, any kind of business, man, pick up the phone, call them boys, 972-934-8900.
0: Tell them your situation and hope like God they bring you on as a client. That's exactly right. As you said, consultations free, 972-934-8900. To Robert Green, call him now, offices, Dallas, Texas. Oh, the Dallas Cowboys, they are, in, it, it's, it's really tough. I think I was talking, I was thinking about this the other day. It sucks when you feel like your season is over and you've played one game. Like, I feel like we're Notre Dame. Notre Dame is 0-2. They lost to Ohio State, then they got upset by Marshall. Their season is over. They could win the rest of their games, and they will not make the playoffs. They're done. And it feels like that with the Cowboys, where with the DAC injury, the way the offense looked as bad as it did on Sunday night, that this season is is over. Now the injury news comes out, and Jerry said this morning on his radio show that it's only going to be three or four weeks you tend to not believe anything Jerry says anymore. And, and you know, this is interesting. I was talking to my brother on the phone today and I told, he's like, well, how, what, have you heard anything new on the injury? And I said, well, Jerry said this morning, and he goes, well, I just don't believe anything that guy says anymore He goes, I feel like you can't trust Jerry for anything anymore. It's like, man. Wow. And you know what? It's, it's hard to disagree with them. My only thing is it's interesting if they did think he was going to be out longer they have not and did not put him on IR, which would lead you to believe they truly think he can come back in three or four games.
1: Bro. um, I don't know about that, man. I think that's just wishful thinking. And maybe it is. I don't mind being, I don't mind being wrong. I'd certainly like to be wrong. But what you don't want is to come back early And then mess it up worse, or hurt it again, or aggravate it again because you came back early. Remember Romo and his cracked collarbone. Yep, yep. You just don't want that, man. If the injury takes
0: what it takes, bro, and you can't be lying about it, and ah,
1: you know, it, it just takes what it takes.
0: It does, and that was kind of my thought, especially if this team. And we'll see, we'll see what it looks like in the next few weeks. But if you get to a point, and let's say he misses the next four games. In your 0 and you're 0-5. I don't know why all of a sudden you're forcing him to come back with an 0 and five team. No, by then. Because you're mean, not don't you're don't... not making the playoffs at 0-5. You're you're not. You you you'd have to almost go undefeated the rest of the way and hope that you or maybe you can lose a game and finish eleven and six to hope you can overcome an 0 and five start.
1: Um, I would assume that's you know, you know what happens when you assume, but I would just assume that it really at one level it just ain't that complicated, man when you're coming back from an injury, there's certain thresholds you got to pass along the way, and he can either pass those thresholds, you know, in terms of hand strength and arm strength and all that stuff, or he can't. And if he can't, there's no need to rush him back because you don't want to do anything to mess him up.
0: Yeah, that would be my hope, but it's the Cowboys, so we'll find out. It is interesting, and I wanted to play some of this for you because Stephen Jones on his radio bit that he does with the flagship station there in Dallas he had some things that he was asked about And Steven, a lot of the times I tend to to pay a little bit more attention to what he says. Although as he has gotten older in his last couple seasons, it feels like he's starting to kind of come around to that Jerry way. Some of the things that he'll say, but to me it was always Jerry. Like Jerry was the one that just would say things out of passion. And Steven, it seemed like for a long time would kind of pump the brakes and be a little bit more cut and dry and black and white on what he would say. So I've got some things here. Here is Steven talking about how he viewed that loss and what happened on Sunday night that stood out to him.
2: Well, I think anything will be looked at now, and obviously rightfully so. Um, You know, uh, whenever you go out and you you have a performance like that, then uh, you're certainly going to have question marks. And, uh, you know, as to how you went about your preparation, Uh, I will say this, it's a long season, and, uh, you know, there were – Uh, things out there that we're really pleased with you know, the defensive side of the ball there were you know for the most part when we ran the ball we had positive run plays uh, when we went right at them and uh, you know there's some things that uh, obviously we got to get better
0: oh yeah there's some things but notice there he points out the preparation which to me is I think the front office not preparing the team well enough but also McCarthy and did they need to, you know, was there some rust? Was there something that they didn't do correctly in getting this team prepared? I don't know if the front office is going to flat out ever come out here and say, look, we were wrong, okay? No. We, we tried to act like these receivers were going to work. They obviously don't. And we're going to get into the CeeDee Lamb situation here momentarily because you wrote about it, and they kind of talk about it a little on a Stephen Jones quote. But they moved on, and here's where they're at with the quarterback situation as far as... The injury with Dak, he's going to. You got to think he's missing a minimum of four games. All right, let's just agree on that. But here's Steven on the quarterbacks and where they go from
2: here. Certainly, we'll be uh, uh, evaluating all uh, all options. And uh, uh, but uh, certainly Cooper stepped in and did a great job for us last year when when Dak was uh, had to sit out a game, and uh, you know he knows the system. Will Greer knows the system, and. Uh, we've just got to go out and execute and and play well.
1: Hmm.
0: (laughs) Well, it's interesting to me. There's a couple of things of note here. I got hit up, and, and I'm sure that people that you know probably were asking you about it at the gym or wherever. I have probably had no fewer than five people in some form or fashion either text me or message me or Facebook about what do you think about going and getting Jimmy Garoppolo? And I look at this and my response to them has been, okay, let's say that we believe Jimmy Garoppolo can come in here and do something. Jimmy Garoppolo is going to cost, I would imagine a minimum of a second round pick in something else. Maybe it's two seconds. Maybe it's a second and a third, whatever it is. So you're giving up those picks to get Jimmy G in here. Jimmy Garoppolo comes in here the first week. I don't even know if he would play in that game, quite honestly, because he's coming into a team where he has never played with these wide receivers and has no idea the offensive lingo. Maybe you can get him ready and you've got a super basic offensive package. How many weeks would it take Jimmy Garoppolo to come in here until he's comfortable in the offense because he hadn't been around it at all, didn't go through camp with them, has never thrown to these wide receivers, doesn't have any chemistry with them. Let's say, I would guess, maybe three or four weeks. He finally starts to get it and he starts, okay, I got it, I'm in here, much like if I went through a training camp. That was my camp, except it happened in the season. So Ben, by that point, if, even if you thought Dak was going to be out six or seven games, is it worth it to trade a couple of draft picks that you probably need for a quarterback who might be able to give you two or three really good games where he feels comfortable with the offense, with everything going on before Dak gets back?
1: No nah, man, I think the uh, I think the deal is, cause I'm like you, man. Several people have hit me up about that, uh, whether uh, whether they texted me or whether they called me or you know, there's always your fan base who hits you up on Twitter and social media. And uh, I told a dude, do, I don't know, a couple hours ago, like, what quarterback you want who can come in, learn the system, get you ready to play, uh, you know, and win games. Like yeah. the answer is none, bro. You make those decisions in the off season. And let me tell you what happens if you make that decision in the, during the season, then that means you messed up your offseason decision, i.e. the year the Cowboys uh, Romo got hurt and Matt Castle is starting the next week. You know what I mean? Yeah. uh Who's the guy from Oklahoma State? The old guy Brandon something. Oh, right. Whedon. Yeah.
0: Because
1: you didn't trust him. Yeah. So you bring in Matt Castle. It's like, come on, man. Then you should have never had Brandon Whedon on the roster. So there's nobody. You are, Matt Cast. I mean, you know, you're going with with your guys, Cooper Rush. And Will Greer, and we'll see what we'll see what happens with those. There's no savior coming. There's nobody coming to save you. It, it is those two guys that you that you ride with for the next uh, however log. It is.
0: Yeah, that's that's what it's going to be. So welcome to that. And as you continue this Cowboys conversation, and this is where uh, hopefully you all were able to read the article that Jacques had in the Dallas Morning News pointing out cd lamb and it seemed like the basis for your article kind of came off of something that stephen jones says and he's going to say it right here about their wide receivers and what they need to see moving forward with this group of wide receivers in particular one cd lamb
2: uh, the passing game goes hand in hand the quarterback and the receivers and uh certainly uh, you know we've we've got to be better there i mean cd's gotta uh you know he's got to improve and and work his way into being the number one receiver. We think we can. Obviously, uh, you know, you've got a guy like Michael Gallup who's going to be coming sooner than later. And uh, you know, there were flashes at times. Noah did some good stuff out there, and Houston did as well. But uh, uh, and certainly, Schultz uh, was steady and, and consistent uh, in terms of you know the plays he was making. But uh, you know, obviously, it wasn't good enough.
0: And and to go back to what he said originally. CD has to be better he has to work his way into being a number one receiver
1: no y'all told us he was one you said he's a number one guy that's why you made all these other moves so you don't get to come back now be like well no he's got to develop it the way he's got to get no bro you told us he was one and we all looked at you and like you sure he's a really good player but that one dude is different man that one dude is who you got to throw the ball to on fourth and two. Not the undrafted free agent from Western Illinois. That one dude is the guy who either gets doubled or coverage is rolled his way so that the other guys can operate. That number one dude is the guy who, guess what, Matt, gets the number one cornerback. And when you got your receiver stacked, that means C.D. can be in the slot and operate against the number three cornerback. Or he can be on the other side and operate against the number two cornerback. But guess what he don't have, Matt? The number one guy that number one cornerback, that number one wide receiver, that's a different deal, man. That's why there's not a lot of them. And you can say what you want to about Amari Cooper. He was, for this particular team, a legitimate number one receiver because he took all that pressure and let everybody else eat. And when they didn't replace him, man, especially without Michael Gallup, you almost put CD in a position to fail rather than a position to succeed.
0: Yeah, it's, it's fascinating to me to hear some of the things they said. And again, all you guys that listen to the podcast, we play all this stuff for you all throughout the offseason, all throughout training camp, everything that Steven and Jerry are saying, their own words, and then you hear them come back as you just pointed out, Jacques, and say something like that, where it just makes you go, guys, we already heard what you said. Like We have the audio. We can play it back for you. And and, and then it becomes one of those things where we played the clip the, a couple of times last week. Jerry They just got to believe that one plus one equals three. And then, you know, that's Stephen admitting to you. Well, I mean, okay, so he's not a number one wide receiver. And we were just kidding when we said that. But he's got to work his way into it. It'll be okay.
1: That's basically what we get. Bro, I mean, that's ass backwards, man.
0: It is. And it's it's Uh, it's beyond maddening as a fan, but also as somebody who is in the media and has been a member of the Dallas media where you sit there and you just wonder, man, like it's like these guys think that some of the people who follow this and do it for a living and put so much energy into it as they do from a different angle, it's like they think everybody else is just an idiot.
1: You know, we've been saying that for a long time, man. <laughs> and it just is. It's um it's hard to figure out sometimes, um, you know, and again, maybe it's just their own delusions. And it's just their own thing and they really believe this stuff. Um if so that too is disappointing um but uh you know the the reality is they they're in a really tough spot now they made a bunch of curious decisions in the offseason that don't seem to be um working for them and hey bro it's gonna be if they don't get it fixed it's just gonna be a long season so i mean i hope they get it fixed i just don't have any faith that they're gonna get it fixed
0: yeah, I have a hard time believing that they will, and, and but Stephen, of course, Stephen will tell you otherwise, and here's his final cut, because you and I don't have the faith, I have no confidence, apparently Stephen Jones would differ, disagree with us.
2: No, I think we're, we're, we're going to get better as a football team, no question, and uh, you know, we believe in this team, uh, they've worked their tail off in, the, uh, you know, in uh, many camps, and through training camp, and uh, you know, certainly it's unacceptable uh, the way we played, but uh, to have complete confidence that, that this team's going to put it together, that, you know, if it's Cooper, he's going to step up and, uh, and execute the offense, and, and we're going to play better offense. And I think our defense obviously uh, showed signs out there that they can do some special things, and we should get better. Uh, it's a long season.
0: See, and he says that now, unfortunately, and we've talked about this before, and the guys over there try to act like it isn't true. They give them softball questions, and a lot of the times when they answer them, they don't have a follow-up to challenge the answer. Because my immediate thought when I was listening to this, I was like, God, I wish that he was being interviewed by us, because I would have said, Stephen, I'm curious you said that you're confident that you're going to be better. What, what have you seen that gives you that confidence? Give me an example of something you've seen that's leading you to be confident this team's going to be better.
1: Hey, man, let me tell you how to ask it in an even stronger way, man. It's,
0: how come? <laughs> and that doesn't happen because I, I was I, like he used the words that he used in that yeah. I, I said, based on what? That too works. Well, how come? I
1: mean, how come? And based on what is the same thing. How come it's just a little bit nicer? It's not quite as edgy. But uh, you know, Jason Gary used to get mad when I would ask that. He give this long rambling space. I'd be like, "How come?" And you just look at him because now they got to come with a real part of the answer, not just the part that was scripted yeah. before the press conference.
0: Like, give me a little something more. Of course, uh, the interviews on that on that station, you don't ever get that. You never will because that's just the, <laughs> it's just reality. You're not going to. And I just don't know where they get that level of confidence that this is going to be better. The other thing I wanted to get into here when we're taking this dive, and this is something that to me, because I I was irked when I heard it, I I don't know that I will let it go all season. We were sold a bill of goods that the young players that they have are really, really good. Jerry even brought it up in one of his interviews. I might have been with First Take. You know, we didn't know we had a Micah last uh, last year we didn't know that look who we have. so to jerry all 17 of their rookies are apparently going to turn into micah well here's what happened on sunday they drafted nine players in the 2022 draft class tyler smith i will give him a gold star for his performance you did fine in your rookie debut played all 69 offensive snaps outside of that The other eight players they drafted played 17 combined snaps. Now, obviously, you take some of those were offense, some were defense. Second round pick Sam Williams, a second round pick, played six snaps on defense, 11 on special teams. Tolbert was inactive. Jake Ferguson played 11 offensive and 11 special teams. Matt Wiletsko played one snap on special teams. Daron Bland played 12 snaps, all on special teams. Clark and Ridgeway did not play at all. And Harper got 17 special team snaps. So basically what I'm telling you is all these rookies that they were counting on, even if you want to be like, well, who cares about the guys in the back end? That's fine. You are talking about the guy outside of Tyler Smith that played the most snaps for this team was their fourth round tight end who played 11.
1: You know, and that was, um, that's the problem, bro and you know that's what we've talked about and that's what we tried to tell y'all is that you know man you got to be next level it's just not about what they say your actions and your results got to match your words and too many times when you're talking about the cowboys that's simply not the case second round picks in the nfl should be starting and if they're not starting they should be significant contributors third round picks should have a really good chance to start and if they're not starting, they should be significant contributors. Fourth round picks, well, that's when this crapshoot starts to begin. But they should be solid contributors in some way, shape, or form. Even if it's on special teams, that's cool. The fact that they're not getting a significant contribution from their second or their third round pick is troubling to me. And because check this out, bro. They need help at wide receiver, they do. So the third round pick being a wide receiver, the fact that he can't crack the lineup, that's troubling and the second round pick like Doris Armstrong ain't no great player I mean he's a good dude he's a solid player he ain't no great play- he's not the kind of player who should keep your ass on the bench he's the kind of player you should be able to compete with uh and the fact that you can't really press him for playing time man that too to me is disappointing um so you know bro it's I'm going to have to find something else. I'm not trying to bitch and moan about the Cowboys. No,
0: but but I'd like to continue this way because I wanted to to prove the the point a little bit more so, if I may, and that's one of those things where, because I just told you about the 2022 draft class, I'd like to go back to 2021, and I'm just going to say this. The Cowboys had seven picks in the first four rounds of the 2021 NFL draft. Micah Parsons, they nailed it. Micah Parsons is the best player on this team, offense or defense, for my money, him and Zach Martin. Their second round pick, Kelvin Joseph, played one snap last night on defense. Their second round pick, who they're using on special teams. He's a special teams guy now, which is where your UFAs and your seventh rounders go. Chauncey Golston played 15 defensive snaps. Osa Odigizua is a a solid third round pick. He played 58% of the defensive snaps and has been good the, the couple of years he's been here. Yes. Nishan Wright, inactive. Jabril Cox, inactive. Josh Ball, inactive. Of your seven picks in the first four rounds, seven picks in the top four rounds in the NFL draft, you got two guys who basically contribute, another dude in Golston who's kind of a guy, and the other four in your second round, your third round, and your fourth round picks do nothing.
1: That's how you end up in a sad place, bro. Uh, Hopefully Cox can recover from his knee injury
0: and turn into a player at some point this year.
1: But there's no guarantee that he will.
0: There is not. And that paints the picture, my friends, of the frustration. And I didn't even go through all the, the UFAs and the crap they're trying to sell you and all this. And, you know, you can look at it and it's funny because you see the John Ownings of the world and you see these guys that really look at film and look at all the stuff that players do. And it's right. amazing to see some of these guys that were coming out early in the week on Monday and even to, to, to on Tuesday as we record this that are talking about how poorly – the routes were being run by the Dallas wide receivers. And that was something that people, Amari Cooper is one of the best route runners in the NFL. And that's something you would listen to these guys and read some of the stuff that those guys that are film analysts sitting there breaking this down, how horrible and how poorly routes are being run by the Cowboys wide receivers. But you're talking about Dennis Houston and you're talking about Simi Fajoko and who the hell else knows. You're talking about guys that aren't supposed to be good. Like, like, I don't, I don't, honestly, I'm, I'm serious. I don't know how many of the Cowboys wide receivers outside of CeeDee Lamb would make another NFL's active game day roster. Wow. Not many, not many rosters that is. And that tells you a lot. I mean, these are guys, these are guys that aren't supposed to be getting 32 offensive snaps. These are guys that like, oh shit, we've had a couple of injuries all right, we'll get in there and, and while he's walking off his ankle sprain and, and they play four snaps and then they're done and they never get the ball thrown to him. But you got to have a body out there. The Cowboys have four dudes that you just got to have a body out there that are taking up significant time playing wide receiver snaps for them right now.
1: Yep, and that's uh, that's probably the reason why
0: the passing game was so bad. It's incredible that they think that this thing and Steven just magically it's going to get better. It's magic, Jacques. That's what's going to happen to them. And, all, and, see, happens, man. and I, I didn't have time today to pull Jerry actually saying these things, but his quotes, I mean, this is insane. Listen to this because he talks about this and he goes, the specific significant decisions that we made in the offseason personnel wise. And here's what we're talking about. Terrence Steele, he says, had more penalties than I thought he would. No shit. Yeah. Really? So you didn't think Terrence Steele would have four penalties? Huh? He goes, it's not that Collins wasn't out there. Things wouldn't have gone differently with Collins. I watched every snap he had earlier in the day when he was with Cincinnati. Okay, cool. You know what, what, Jerry? I will buy that. I'll buy that. Why not? Here's where this gets interesting to me. I like the group we had out here. He's talking about receivers now. I don't know that going a different way in the offseason changes things. I don't know that it does. Look to your basic receivers. You would immediately go to Amari Cooper. You would go to Cedric Wilson, those two receivers. You could criticize us there because we didn't do well in our pitching and catching the other night. It'll be better when Dak gets back. It'll be better when Gallup comes back. If I were going to critique it, I would say you look like you might have been shorter than you could have been had you kept Cooper. On the other hand, you were paying Cooper $20 million and you basically... I know that I've had it put up there both ways and come back at me. I feel better when you're not paying the $20 million.
1: Bro, shut up. Here's the deal, man. Tell your offensive coordinator, hey, we're paying this dude $20 million. You need to make him a priority. Yep. Make sure he gets the rock. Other teams do this, dog. This is not rocket science. Other teams do this. Other teams just don't say hey we just go to the open no we design game plans for our best players mark who was one of your best players design game plans for him to be involved early and often and get the ball if it's important to you and uh you know but it wasn't and okay and again I, i've told y'all i would feel differently about this if gallup hadn't torn his acl at the end of the year because you knew he wasn't gonna be ready and you did this yes that's that's my whole problem. If you want to get rid of Amari, okay, we can live with that. But you got to replace him with somebody other than James Washington. That's not a fair trade. That's not a fair deal. If you just said, hey, I'm going to trade you Amari Cooper for James Washington, people would look at you like, what's wrong with you, dog? We kick people out of fantasy leagues for stuff like that. I'm like, come on, man. That's <laughs> true. That's just dumb. Nobody's going to do that.
0: It is. You're exactly right. But,
1: right. So why would y'all do it, man? But you go get another. Quality receiver, doesn't have to be a superstar, but a quality receiver, guy who's who can make plays. And then you have some some help until Gallup returns. And then when Gallup is back, you hope that you got three guys who can go. Even if Gallup comes back, man, they still only got two guys who can go.
0: Yeah. That's very, very true. But you listen to Jerry because he continues. We've got a lot of really top football players. You can think negatively and everybody does and that's normal, that's normal, but boy, we got a lot of positive things. I have seen it hopeless and just walk out there and David slay the giant. I've seen it done. Again, it's it, David, bro. It, 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 literally, he's, he's, again, this is a guy who is still trying to convince you that a miracle is going to happen, that one plus one will equal three. Because we're all sitting there going, Jerry, that's one plus one. And he said, I know, but it'll, this time it'll equal three. Do it again delusion yeah
1: trust me
0: cowboys front office is delusional and I, I believe they're delusional i think they're mentally ill with delusion and it's unfortunate because this is the team that we all are passionate about and love and they are delusional <laughs> we will move forth and i hope you will as well to open up the bag of Bruce biltong that i i hope that you have ordered to make yourself feel better Bruised Biltong, if you're new and you're like, what, what, what is what is this Biltong? It's like beef jerky. It is not beef jerky. It is a South African air-dried meat. It is called Biltong. Bruised Biltong is where you want to get this at now. It's B-R-U-S-B-I-L-T-O-N-G, bruisedbiltong.com. It's tender. It's savory. One thing I know you and I both like it because it's low in calories. It makes a great snack. It is sky high in protein.
1: Yeah, bro, 30 grams in a 2-ounce pouch, uh, only 230 calories. Works for me. Y'all know I'm always trying to, you know, at least eat sensibly, watch my weight. It's a great afternoon snack for me. Uh, like Matt said, it's succulent. It's t- it's not, it's unlike any beef jerky, any jerky you've ever experienced because it ain't sticking in your teeth and nothing like that. It's really amazing, man. It's, um, that sliced built tongue is something, it's something out of worldly. It's fantastic. And y'all ain't really even got to take my word for it, man. Go to the website and order it. Have it show up in your house in a few days, and Thank me later. Send me a thank you card. You can put a gift card in there if you want to.
0: Yeah, make it happen. It's your choice, man, and choose to enjoy it. It is very delicious. I really think you're going to enjoy it. really do. It's bruisebiltong.com. Use that promo code JAM15, J-A-M-15. At checkout, you get 15% off. Our podcast also, of course, made possible by the great crew, JR and his guys at Freeway Tire Shop. They've been with us a long time, ever since we started doing this. And the reason why we have, when I was living there, you take your car to JR. Jacques takes all his cars to JR. And why? He's the mechanic you can trust. We have found him. He has been discovered. Now we get to tell you about him. Whether it's an oil change, whether it's major work, you need to take your vehicles to JR at Freeway Tire Shop.
1: It shouldn't even be a thought at this point, man. If I take my six cars over there... Y'all know damn well he's good. I go to JR because just like I chose the doctor that I chose. Because I trust him, man. I trust him to diagnose the issue. I trust him to use quality parts to fix it. I trust him to charge me a fair friggin' price for the work that he does. Ain't nobody asking for no freebie, man. Just charge me a fair price. And then I trust him to stand behind his work. Again, ain't nobody perfect. Stands behind his work. I love him. Customer service is great, whether he's at the shop or not. The customer service don't change because he learned about it at Home Depot. He taught it to all his people who work for him. He's a good dude. He's a great shop. Right off of 35 in Commonwealth, about five mile, five minutes north of downtown. Hey, it's worth it, man. If you got to drive a little bit to get there, take your ass over there and let JR work on your ride.
0: Schedule an appointment. Request a quote. If you'd like, you can do it online at freewaytireshop.com. So a a little trip around the block here. And I got to tell you, man, I I think it was Queen Elizabeth II who passed away. And all of a sudden you started seeing The Crown, the Netflix television show, started jumping up in the Netflix like top 10 or whatever. And we started watching it the other night. Because like, you know what? I've heard a lot of really good things about this show. It's the only Netflix show ever that has won best drama series overall at the Emmys. They've had a couple of the actresses on that show that have won awards for portray their portrayals of Queen Elizabeth. So you know what, let's let's just try it. And I got we're only two episodes in, but man, those first two episodes it it's you can tell it is really, really well done, extremely well acted. And it really shows, and again, only two episodes in, but it's actually really interesting. It shows kind of the relationship of how the crown works behind the scenes. And how, because Winston Churchill's the prime minister at the beginning of it, coming out of World War II and all this, and how it happens and her marriage to Philip. And then when her father dies and she becomes the queen, that just happened in episode two. It's really interesting, but we're embarking on the crown. So there's four seasons. So we just started that, but that'll be interesting to see how it turns out.
1: Four seasons. Well, all right, I'm impressed with you. Look at you. Uh,
0: You know, you get in stuff like that because... I think you tend to get curious because none of us really know what the hell the monarchy in England does True. because we're not English. We're not British people. So we don't grow up learning all about that. We have no clue. We know what a queen is. We know what that is. We probably know who it is. We know it's King really? Charles III now, but we don't know the process of it. And so we're looking it up like, okay, well, how come when certain people die, this person doesn't become king or queen? Like I didn't know this. It So apparently whoever is the king or queen's oldest child and all of their descendants are in the line of secession before the next child would be. So like for me, let's say I'm the king. My son right. Maddox would be next in the line of secession. Any right. of his children would be next in the line of secession. Above if I had a second child, they would all be above that second child. Really? Yes.
1: Really? So Harry ain't never getting that thing.
0: Correct. Because I believe he is currently sixth or he's fifth or sixth in the line of succession. because there's King Charles. Prince William right. is next. If Prince William were to die, his son would immediately become king, not Prince Harry. And then right. if that little kid were to die, his daughter. And then if that daughter died, his third son. And then Prince Harry, if all of them were out of the picture, then Prince Harry could be king. Bro,
1: like I said, Harry ain't never
0: getting it. That. I know, like to me, because I, I had no idea, obviously. I, I don't, how the hell am I supposed to know? Because we were trying to figure that out last night. Well, that man, that is really interesting. How come it falls to her? What's the, and I was like, I don't know. I don't know how that works, but that's how. So speaking of Emmys and awards, the Emmys were on Monday night. And we now know that the Outstanding Drama Series has been given to Secession It beat out Better Call Saul and Ozark, beat out Stranger Things, a couple of others as well. I've never seen Succession. It's an HBO show, and, and I've heard, I mean, it's supposed to be phenomenal. I think it's only two, it's three seasons in now, and it's the one that stars Brian Cox and Kieran Culkin and Alan Ruck is in it, a couple of others as well. What's the premise? The premise is, it's a satirical black comedy drama, and it is... It centers on the Roy family, the dysfunctional owners of Waystar koi, a global media and entertainment conglomerate who are fighting for the control of the company amid uncertainty about the health of the family's patriarch. Okay. See, that sounds boring to me. I was
1: gonna say that's a lot. Of, that's a lot of parts going on.
0: But it's one. I know it won last year too, so I, I guess that's two years in a row that it has been named Outstanding Drama Series at the Emmys, which. I mean, generally speaking, if you're winning that for a couple of years, I mean, you're doing pretty well. Okay, so it won for season two, and then The Crown won for season four, and then Succession just won again for their season three. So yeah, seasons Damn. two and three have been named the best show on television. Hmm. Good for them. It's interesting. Now you're, you're not inclined to look at it though. Well, I mean, the fact that it's won it twice, it makes me want to check it out, and I've heard it's good. I've heard I know people that watch it have said, "Oh, it's you got to watch it. It's good." I'm like, huh, okay. Now, Outstanding Comedy Series went to Ted Lasso, and I will tell you this, Ted Lasso is phenomenal. Okay. Ted Lasso, because Jason Sudeikis, who won Outstanding Lead Actor in a Comedy Series for Ted Lasso, it's a show about this hapless, like crazy over-positive coach who takes over this English Premier League team or whatever who's down in the dumps and turns him around and he doesn't know much about soccer, but he's so insanely positive in everything he does in life.
1: <laughs>
0: you know, like I mean, it's, and it really is, I mean, it's almost an example of if you watch this and you like positivity in life, it'll cheer you up. I mean, cause not like bad stuff happens to this guy. He's not going through easy periods in his life, but his ability to take things and turn them positive and keep a positive outlook, it's really, really awesome. Maybe
1: I need to do that because I've been awfully negative about the Cowboys since their, since their game. Maybe I need to look at some Ted Lasso and change my mood.
0: Maybe you should. Maybe that would help you out a little bit. I don't know. <laughs> I can't tell you. So I'm trying to think what else. See, I thought this is hilarious. The dude who won Outstanding Lead Actor in a Drama Series is the guy from Squid Game. Not Jason Bateman in Ozark not Bob Odenkirk in Better Call Saul, the dude from Squid Game that I saw and thought it looked like I was watching high schoolers doing a theater workshop. Whoa. That's an insult to Bateman and Odenkirk and the level that they took their characters. Hell yeah, it is. That's a joke. I didn't even know that guy won. The fact that Squid Game got anything to me is a joke. That show was so poorly put together and blatantly obvious. Like you knew what was going to happen. Dude. I don't know what to tell you on that one, friend.
1: Me either. Other than watch it again, come up with a different opinion.
0: I will say I'm glad to see that the dude Brett Goldstein won for Best Supporting Actor for Roy Kent because that character is fantastic. Julia Garner won yet again for Supporting Actress for Ruth Langmore in Ozark. Apparently, have you heard of White of the White Lotus? The White Lotus won a ton of awards.
1: I have not heard of the White Lotus. What the hell is that about?
0: I know it won Outstanding Limited Series. Let's see, it's a comedy-drama anthology series. It follows the guests and employees of the fictional White Lotus resort chain whose stay becomes affected by their various dysfunctions. I mean, it won a ton of stuff. It won several awards for acting, for directing, for limited series. Huh. And it's on HBO, HBO Max or whatever. Interesting. Very interesting, I say, friend. Anyway, so those are some of the shows. Yeah, see, look at this. Secession was nominated for 12 awards. Damn. God, man. Hell, it had 25 nominations, but 12 major nominations. So That's a pretty damn good show, I would guess, right?
1: Yes, sir. I don't think there's any doubt about
0: that. You got to get back to watching more TV shows.
1: (sighs) When this this project is up, I will. Project takes up all my time. I'll tell you all about it one day. Matt okay. knows what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah,
0: I know what you're talking about, and it does keep you quite busy. I know that's for a for fact. <laughs> that keeps you with a lot going on.
1: It's a good busy, though. It's fantastic. I, I mean, I wish I could, I really wish I could tell y'all about it. it. It's so much fun. Um, and one day we'll just talk, about, we'll, we'll probably spend the whole show talking about it.
0: Okay. Well, that sounds good. And then have you still been listening to the Orphan X books when you're making your travels?
1: Yeah. Uh, it's. Uh, I don't know if I like it all that much. I might have to go back and listen to it again it's uh it's a little slow for me uh i don't know i'm still making i don't dislike it but i don't i don't know what's that say we got a second date i don't know if there'll be a third date and it's not because you're a bad person it's just i'm not feeling chemistry but gotcha but i'm open-minded i haven't gotten to the end yet and it, it might be like um now don't laugh at me man me, like a lot of people, I was assigned the Scarlet Letter in uh, in high school, Nathaniel Hawthorne, and to me, it was the most boring book of all time through about the first whatever pages, yeah, and then all of a sudden, the action started, and I f- it took me like, I'm, I can't remember the exact, so I'll just exaggerate, it took me like a month to read up to the point where it got exciting, and it took me like three hours to finish it, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So hopefully orphan x is agent x whatever his name is <laughs> is like that uh but i mean it's okay it's not bad it's just like yeah I, I need some more action like um you know i felt like there's a lot of action in the uh in the bosch series or a lot of things going on but if i'm going to be honest it could be me because i got so much going on my mind wanders and so i don't know if i'm listening deeply enough you know what i mean
0: yeah, it could be. I mean that 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 might just be part of it because I mean there's a there's enough action in it for me. I mean, to be fair, there is a lot of detail in the Orphan yeah. series. Yeah, you there know. is. And it, which it, is not bad. No, I mean it definitely goes through him setting up everything in meticulous detail and the details of his apartment. He's a very almost he's an o, like he has super OCD, so there's a lot of that in the way that it's written at times.
1: Right, right, right. No, no doubt about that. And uh, it's not bad because, um, you know, I've actually been able to I've been listening to it some from a uh, from a work perspective, because when you're a writer, even though I'm listening to an audio book, I listen to how it was written uh, because I'm fascinated by how people put words together and how they how they choose to stack stuff.
0: Yeah. So hey, I bring that up because I've got one more book in the series and let's say I'm on my 39th book of the year right now. And then once I knock this one out and get to the next one, that'll put me at 40. So I'll have completed 40 books here by the end of probably, I would guess, maybe by the end of this week, because I'll finish that one maybe today or tomorrow. So cruising along towards that 50 to 52. 52 would be one a week, which seems extreme.
1: Yeah, it does. Very
0: extreme.
1: (laughs) That's a lot, man. I I have a funny story for you once we finish our book cup. I don't even
0: know if it's funny. It's just interesting. Uh, me. What's your story? Because yeah, I didn't have anything else. I was just curious if you'd still been reading those. Uh, no, I, I, yeah,
1: no. Nah. And I've got to, um, you know, I will probably finish it this week. Um, uh, so during my last travels to Memphis, I picked up a, uh, I picked up a chest cold. and I don't I don't get sick very often, like. I really couldn't remember the last time I got sick Normally when I first feel like I'm getting sick I over on drugs And um, try to knock it out before it gets a hold of me Well I just This is one of the few times I woke up And it was like it already had snatched me And so uh, I was dealing with a couple of days Thought I could fight through it And I, I couldn't I was like okay I guess I'll go get some, some medicine uh, I don't know why I'm opposed to medicine So I went and got some So the funny thing to me is Matt I, I was curious if this happens to you So I'm in the store, and I go, I got some DayQuil. I rock with that. But this thing is really bothering me. And I went to the gym, and uh, I couldn't even, my workout was, you know, I was gassed about 20 minutes into it. And normally I'm never gassed. I may be tired, uncomfortable, I'm never, like, bent over gassed. But I fought through it, I finished it. So I went to the store immediately after that. And I go, you know what, I think I'm going to get some mucinix today. Really clear that thing out. Dude, I told you it's been a minute since I've been sick. Mucinix, $18.99, bro. Yeah,
0: it's not cheap. Bro, Yeah,
1: it's $18.99. So I'm sitting here in the aisle debating with myself. Do I want to spend $18.99 on some medicine? That seems like a lot. And then I go, yo, fool, back in the day, you spent $20 on a lap dance, and they didn't do anything <laughs> for you. You know what I'm saying? And so I'm going back and forth with myself in the aisle, and I finally say, hey, dumbass. Do you want to be sick or do you want to be not sick? Spend the $18, you cheap bastard. And I go, hey, fuck you, man. Money's hard to come by. There are better things I could do with this money. I could go get Starbucks and something else yeah, for yeah. eighteen dollars I said, hey, man, are you tired of coughing? Are you tired of hurting when it coughs? You want to get rid of this mucus in you? Why not get something called mucin next? And so finally I bought it. I took it
0: and I've been feeling good all day. So I'm glad about my $18 purchase well very nice man yeah i mean you notice there are certain things i've noticed at the store especially that you're just like oh my god inflation is real like holy crap i can't believe that this like turkey for me because i eat a ton of turkey the right. cost of turkey that has gone up this year it's i, I mean i used to be able to get the, the type of turkey i would get you know for five or six bucks for the little packages that i get and now it's eight to nine bucks and you're just oh, yeah, going man. my god man it's real it's, it's impressive, really, I can tell you that.
1: You no, know, There's some uh, chicken at Costco I used to get, and I remember, just like, literally, because I'm, I'm a price guy. I play these games with myself. I do all the shopping, all that stuff I always have. I don't know why. Probably some Capricorn control freak stuff. But um, I remember some chicken I used to buy from Costco, man, that I, I really like. Dude, it was like $11 for like a three-pound bag like a year and a half ago. And that thing, I looked the other day, that same exact bag, bro, 16 bucks. And I was just like, I don't know if I like y'all that much, man. I really don't. So I left them there.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> – I don't know what to tell you, dude, because I was just sitting there thinking, like, you, it's weird to have sticker shock when you go to the grocery store. Yeah. And that's happening more and more now. And it's just a part of reality and a part of real life. But I can't tell you something else that will blow your mind. And that's Smokey John's Barbecue. We're about to have our conversation with ESPN's Todd Archer, but Smokey John's Barbecue, this is true. Obviously, living in the Birmingham area, I don't have access to the actual barbecue, but I've got bottles of Smokey John's Barbecue sauce and rub at my house because anybody can order them. They'll ship it to you anywhere. You go online to smokeyjohns.com. You you click on Smokey's Market and they'll ship it to you. So we had gotten some barbecue the other day. Yeah. And we bring it home and I got some pulled pork and I didn't even use the barbecue sauce that came from the place here in Alabama. (laughs) I went and got my Smokey John's barbecue sauce and poured it on my pulled pork because I was like, why even try other barbecue sauce? Because I know this is what I want. So even though I was eating somebody else's barbecue, I was still enjoying Smokey John's. See,
1: check that out. See, that's, see, I tried to tell y'all, man, Smokey John's is the truth, man. I rock with them, dog. They get down. It's fantastic. Brent and wine, the owners are terrific dudes. But the food is fabulous, man. They'd be,
0: I'd be friends with them even if the food wasn't fabulous, but it's easier since the food is fabulous. Interestingly, he's right because the food is fabulous, including the Jam Session Bowl, only available to Jam Session podcast listeners. It's not on the menu. It's on the secret menu. Trust me, you go in and you say jam session bowl, people will look at you and go, what What did they just order? It's not on the, this guy's a moron ordering on the menu and they'll probably just be like, behind your back and then they'll deliver you that jam session bowl and you can turn around and be like, sucks for you. Dude, what you got to do is what I did the last time. I said,
1: I want the jam session bowl, please. Make sure everybody could hear it. Well, there Then you I
0: go. knew they'd be looking for it and they wouldn't be able to find it. <laughs> Then they would have no idea what you're talking about. And then you're just sitting there snacking on the jam session bowl, and it's that good. It's the little things in life, bro. The little things. It is delicioso. So go check them out. Look, they're great people. It's brothers, Juan and Brent, that own it. It's local. It's family-owned. It's been there for 46 years. It's right on Love Field. Or if you live out of the area like me, you can still enjoy it like I did. Smokey John's Barbecue. All right, it is time. We haven't talked to this guy in a while, man, and excited to have him back on the Jam Session podcast to check in with us. You all know him quite well, ESPN NFL Nation Cowboys reporter Todd Archer. And Todd, I know you were there on Sunday night. Was the offense the way you thought it would be, or was it somehow worse (laughs) than you anticipated?
3: Yeah, that's a great one. absence makes the heart grow fonder, right, boys? I mean, it's been a while (laughs) since I've talked to you. Um and uh, the lack of receivers makes the offense grow weaker, I guess. I guess it was what I thought it would be, right? I mean, what we saw on Sunday, honestly, was kind of what you saw on Oxnard. It, it wasn't altogether that different. There's, and, and, look, before he got hurt, Jack wasn't playing all that well himself. So it's not like you can just say, blame the receivers or, or blame this group. I mean, it was it was a collective mess. And, you know... I thought their best offensive guy was Zeke. And everybody spent the entire offseason saying they got to move on from Zeke. Don't give him the ball anymore. And, well, heck, I'm, like, thinking, why is Zeke on the sidelines here? Like, give him the ball. This is what he's here for. So, yeah, and and then Dak gets hurt. And, you know, he makes you wonder where this thing is going, and it's only week two.
1: Straight into the turlet is where it's going.
3: Um, hey, Zoddy's be better. He's gonna be back, and he's gonna miss less than four games. He could be back within within four games, according to Jerry. We,
1: that's that. Jerry we all know
3: Dr. Jerry Jones.
1: That's that Jerry. One plus one equals three. Um, <laughs> so no, I'm not buying that bullshit. Um, now here's the bigger question. You know, Jerry, you know, I'm gonna take a quick aside. You know, Dr. Jerry once got me cussed out. I'm going right. way back in the time machine. The year, my friends is 1995 the subject is Kendall Watkins foot because Kendall Watkins is a tight end they drafted I believe out of Mississippi State Kendall Watkins is hurt I run into Jerry hey Jerry how long Kendall Watkins gonna be out oh he's walking around he's fine uh no problem no big deal Dr. Jerry so what do you think I wrote Kendall Watkins fine around. no big deal he should be back soon Next week, he's got a chance to play. I sent that note in. It read the paper the next day. Next day, Fort Worth Star-Telegram reports. Kendall Watkins, broken foot. Out four to six weeks. <laughs> Dave Smith rings me up. Where'd you get this information from? How go, we don't have this. What's wrong with you? I go, I got it from the owner. The owner's not
2: a doctor. The owner's not a doctor.
1: And I just said, you know, you're right. <laughs> so there you have it never trust Dr. Jerry
3: let's be honest if Jerry's telling you something are you really not going to write it
1: hey man I was told to confirm all the Dr. Jerry's diagnoses with the team trust trainer verify, who is an actual fucking doctor I believe is the actual quote that was that was used on me
3: now y'all realize, on
1: y'all realize I'm, i all realize clearly that scarred me because I, I still remember that very vividly today
3: <laughs> how did what Kendall Walken turn out what was, just, what was the
1: rest of the point you were going at? Ken Watkins is just a guy.
0: We should look up his stats and see what he ended up with. Did Probably he play? not did much. He, did he get a second contract? I don't think he did. Right. Is that Todd, is that the idea, though? I mean, do they truly believe that Dak is only going to be out for a couple of weeks because, like, like we're making fun of it, but that's what Jerry says today. Which And the fact that they're not going to put him on IR would lead you to believe that Jerry is telling you something true because... If it was going to be six to eight weeks, wouldn't they put him on IR at that point?
3: Right. Yes, because uh, you, you, the way their rocks are, the way any rocks are constructed now, it's kind of hard to just carry a guy the way they did Romo back in the day um, on, on there. You, you know, when he's not going to play, you, you need all available roster spots you can get. But I'm still dubious that he's going to be back after four weeks or at four weeks. But the way it was explained to me. Because he didn't have to put a pin in there, it's just a plate that there's basically now it's let the wound heal, get that strong, and then it's work on range of motion. And then once he can grip a ball and have the strength to spin it and all this kind of stuff, then he should be good to go. Because remember when DeMarco Mori broke his hand, we're all like, how can a guy play three days after surgery? Well, they're saying, well, in some ways, the plate makes the bone stronger because that thing's not going to break. It makes sense, I guess, from an elementary uh, perspective. So there's an element there, but I just would have to imagine if he throws his hand – if he's throwing a pass and he hits another hand again or a helmet, that's got, that, that's got to hurt. And I don't – you know, why are you going to rush your – of all people, why are you going to rush your quarterback back And when it's his throwing hand? If it was his left hand, if it was a left shoulder, you can kind of see it. But on this one, I mean, if he's not ready, don't force him to be ready. You know it, it, that has to be their tack because, I mean, yeah, this season might be gone if it's got to be six to eight weeks. But you know, there the, the, there are other seasons in Dak's career that they'd have to think about. Why why risk it for this one year when you've already told us last year was the year you went for it, and this is the year you're gonna have to pay the price of what you did last year? So I don't know. This everything about the Cowboys doesn't make sense. <laughs> 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 um,
1: I have a, I have a question for you about Dak but before we get there, Kendall Watkins one season in the NFL two catches one I mean one catch, two targets eight yards, one touchdown so not bad for a
3: third round pick <laughs> uh, <laughs> what the hell was wrong with Dak bro, he looked awful yeah, yeah, I mean I wish I could come up here and tell you oh the wide receivers didn't gain separation, well according to the next-gen stats, people that looked it up, there was average separation. I don't have the – you know, at the, at the time of the throw, CD was like 2.11 yards. Uh, um, your boy Noah Brown was over three yards. So was semi Fajoko. You know, there was – there were guys that were open, I think is what my eyes were telling me. And Zach was just either late or missing them. And then you think, okay, he yeah, had the issue pop up on Thursday with, with the ankle where the the cleats were bothering him or whatever the deal was, maybe that's something. Uh, clearly you, you, he's going to be a little bit jittery behind that offensive line. And then five, six plays in, you lose the guy, Conor McGovern, at left guard. You got to put Farniak in there, who's never really played. So now you got two guys on your blind side that have never really played with Bionic in the middle. You have your right tackle that's jumping off sides the entire time. I mean, I'm sure that played – everything probably played a part in – he never looked calm or uh, comfortable. And I don't know if that was necessarily the line's doing or just his own body clock was fed up because he was thinking, I got to get rid of it, got to get rid of it, got to get rid of it. And then he was just off everywhere. It was I don't remember him playing. I can't tell you the last time I saw him play that poorly. Now I can go back and say in Washington, I think in 2017, he had 102 passing yards. In a, in a game that they actually won because they just ran it all over him. But I don't know if I could say he played poorly that day. But I, he, it was not the Dak that we've seen the first five games of 2020 and and 16 of the 17 games last
0: year. Yeah, we talked about that on Sunday night. I mean, he that's probably the worst game I've ever seen him play because you're talking about a guy in year seven that you would expect doesn't struggle with some of those things that he did some of the years that you're pointing out this wide receiver group is what it is, but where is any hope whatsoever that somehow this offense is going to get better when they were as bad as they were on Sunday night and Dak played the majority of the game. And now that same offense returns, but Dak is out.
3: Uh, I think Jacques has a line. My job is not to give you hope or something like that. My job is to <laughs> tell you, or there's something yeah. along those lines that I know Jacques has kind of patented over the years. Um, the, the hope is the guy I think I first mentioned and I'm, I'm feel like an idiot when I mentioned his name all the time is Zeke. Like go back to 2003 and when Parcells was first here and jockey used to tell us there are ways to win these games, right? Any game you yep. play, there are ways to win them. Well, there are ways the Cowboys can still win even if they don't have Dak, even if you have the, this re- receiving group that they currently have, even if the offensive line is uh, constructed the way it presently is, there are ways to win this game. And to me, the way to win the game is giving the ball to number 21. Like, he is a better back than Tony Pollard. He is a better back than Tony Pollard ever will be. Now, that doesn't mean don't give Tony Pollard the ball, don't involve him in the offense, but don't do it at the expense of Ezekiel Elliott. That, that's my belief. He was on pace for a 1,500-yard season last year before he tore the PCL in his knee, in his right knee. Tore it completely. He still played. I blame You can blame the coaches and how they used Zeke after that, uh, and they shouldn't have, or maybe he should have rested and not played. As whatever you want to say, fine. But don't tell me that Tony Pollard is a better running back than Zeke because he's not. And what happened on one of the plays where Tony Pollard was pass protecting? He got trucked by a linebacker and Doc got sacked. I'm not saying Zach does not or Zeke does not get beat, but he is a better pass protector. And I realize you don't play 15 million dollar running backs to pass protect, but he does. He is. He has to be now the engine of the Cowboys' offense while Dak is out, and that's how you can win these games.
1: Yeah, maybe that's what they need to do. Um, you know, but, uh, I mean, we're still stuck on the offense, and I don't know that it's going to get better. Um, I wrote a piece today about CeeDee Lamb. What were your thoughts on CeeDee Lamb and whether he's a uh, a number one receiver?
3: Well, there's work to do there, right? I mean, th- I think the one pass we come down to is the slant from the slot where the, the pass is not in a good spot. But he has to make the catch. Dak has to make a better. Both things can be true. Zach has to make a better throw. CD has to make the catch. Um, you know, you targeted 11 times and you have two catches for 29 yards. Was it 29? I mean, that that's not number one material. And, and I, you know, for all of, I, I think, I think a lot of people, or maybe just locally, that we were all saying, okay, he has the ability and the talent to be a number one. But he's not a number one yet. He has to prove it. And I think even after one game, he still obviously has to prove it because that was not his best showing, nor really was it anybody in the offense's best showing. And that's the disappointing part is you had an entire offseason training camp. And I I don't think because they didn't play 22 snaps in the preseason that that led to rust for them coming into the opener uh, at at all. I I, I don't buy that. Um, I just think they all played awfully. And, he, and he, it wasn't his best game. And he, he now has to show that he can raise his level of play when Dak isn't the quarterback. And, okay, the last time Dak wasn't the quarterback against Minnesota, he had more than 100 yards receiving against the Vikings with Cooper Rush as his quarterback. Now, 35 of those yards came in a pass from Cedric Wilson. But, so what's 35 minus 100? He still had 80-something yards, uh, which right, isn't right, right. a bad number. So, um, yeah, but C.D., it's still a question if if he will be the number one that everybody has projected him to be.
0: How, I mean, you were there, obviously, in, in Oxnard. You saw all through training camp. You were there for the preseason games. What? How do they expect this group without Michael Gallup? Even if CeeDee Lamb starts to play a little bit better, you're still talking about a slew of undrafted rookies that are playing wide receiver, and your third-round pick can't even get active for game day. How do they not see this coming? Again, it's
3: not like we didn't warn them, right? I mean, we asked the entire time, right? I mean, you know, the fact that Jalen Tolbert is inactive for an undrafted free agent in Dennis Houston is, hey, props to Dennis Houston for for winning that job, I guess. And, you know, the Cowboys tell us, hey, once you get here, we don't care what you were drafted. We're going to play the better guy. Well, I guess – props to them on that one but you know they drafted Jalen Tolbert in part because Dak really liked what he saw from the kid at uh South Alabama um he's gonna have to pick it up as well and he was he was okay in the practices but then you saw in the games some awareness issues out of bounds on one some drops things like that um you know that he's starting he's starting from behind as well so but it's not like we didn't warn these guys. Like, we immediately drew the parallel to the 2018 season when they went with Alan Hearns and Deontay Thompson and with Terrence, Terrence Williams was still around then. Like, and Dak couldn't throw for 200 yards in those games. What'd they do? They traded for Amari Cooper, and all of a sudden the passing game was a lot better. So we warned them. They didn't want to hear us. And they went with the hope strategy, and we now know how that gets you.
1: Bro. I just look at this offseason man and I'm just I can't the vast majority of their moves just puzzle me and I was like there, there must be something else because these just seem like the dumbest moves of all time from what you know traditionally at least as I like to say man if you know, even if you don't agree with it you can understand why they do certain things I didn't really understand why they did any of this and so I've kind of been expecting them to get their ass kicked all year they started off like this. I don't see any reason why they're going to be good this year. Uh, do you see any reasons why they're going to be good this year, Arch?
3: Um, yeah. I guess how do you want to define good? What's the definition? Making the playoffs? I, Is that good? Yeah, that would be good. Wild card? Make a wild card? That's good? Okay. That would be good. Um, if they made
1: the wild card, that would be a really good season for them because, I, I, you know, they look like trash to me. I,
3: I, I honestly – I, I, we didn't do it this year, but I still would have picked the Cowboys to win the division – not knowing what I know now after the Tampa game with Dak getting hurt. But going into that one I still would have picked the Cowboys to win a division because of the quarterback. I thought and still think he's the best quarterback in the division. Um and now they're 0 1 behind everybody else who won in week one. I think a good season is making wild card and how do they do that? Well, I went off the on the Zeke deal there on the offense. This is a good uh, on the offense this is a good defense. They only allowed one touchdown to Tom Brady and, and company. Now, some of that might be because Brady and the Bucs realized that the Cowboys could have played for about eight hours and they weren't going to score a touchdown in that <laughs> game, so they just dumbed it down. But you're still holding Tom Brady to one touchdown. That's, that's a pretty good effort, and I think there is a lot of ability on that side of the ball to help them win games uh, more than any time here since Jock picked the season. Um at least since I've been covering, I guess the 0-3 the defense was number one in the league, I think, that year,
2: right. and that was
3: a limited offense. They went 10-6 and six and made the playoffs, But that was with them playing great situational football, understanding downs and distances, it, the, the Parcells effect. I don't know if they have the same effect here with this uh, coaching staff to to overcome talent liabilities on offense the way that team did.
0: Yeah, and the defense because Jacques and I thought the same thing coming into this season that you're going to have to win with defense. Did it concern you at all how easy it was for Tampa Bay at times to move the ball on the ground? I think Leonard Fournette ended up having like six runs that were ten yards or more and gashed them multiple times in the run game.
3: Yeah, it concerned me because that was one of the things they t- spent the whole offseason talking about. They needed to get better at stopping the run, and I I didn't think they were bad at it last year. They were middle of the road, like you know I don't they didn't. They did not go to a Super Bowl because of their run defense, in my view. I, they were fine, they, but you can always be better. But, yeah, this that was alarming. And Dan Quinn kept talking about, like, the perimeter runs that got him. It wasn't anything on the interior. But I'm also like, wasn't there, like, three straight runs right up the middle on one scoring drive? Like, that, that left would just kept calling Cornette's number up the middle and there were gaping holes. Like, And and then I remember seeing Gallimore and Tristan Hill go off the field in the middle of that drive. Maybe I'm combining things in that game that I'm not remembering right, but yeah, the, if you can't if you can't stop a, a team from running the ball consistently, uh, and especially in key moments, then you're doomed. It doesn't matter how good the back end is because they can just pound you. Um, I, I think that Joe Mixon's a good back too. We're gonna we'll see how how they do this week against Cincinnati. Can I tell you something, Arch? now
1: i always say this man to my untrained eye because i don't pretend to be a coach or a scout i talk to coaches and scouts and uh, let them inform me but to my untrained eye they're gonna keep having problems bro on that perimeter run if trayvon diggs is like i just don't want to even compete in the run game like nobody's asking you to be a linebacker and take on blocks but you got at least throw your body down there to the ground and make them slow down, bro. He was running backwards on more than one play where they hit that perimeter.
3: Yeah, and that's one question I wanted to ask Dan Quinn. Like, what are you supposed to do when there's a 300-pound offensive lineman or tackle running at you when you can't go low on them anymore? That's a penalty now. So what is he –
1: That's a good question. What is he supposed to do? That's a good question, Arch.
3: Like, honestly – I I don't know, but running backwards ain't ain't it. What – Whatever the answer, right. Whatever he did was not the right answer, but I don't know. Other than just kind of, I mean, I there, there's nothing he could do to stop getting blocked by that kind of guy. However, no. there's maybe be more than to what panicked. he did. There's got right. There's got to be something more than that than what he did, in, in a couple of those situations, um, in that game, right? I mean, there just is, and I would say, on a couple of the. The guy who impressed me the most from Tampa was Julio Jones. Looked like Julio Jones again. Mm. Like, couldn't the Cowboys assign him as a free
0: agent? Oh, I'm
1: sorry. No, nah, they're about to keep the powder dry, brother.
0: Yeah, that's right. What? They got that dry powder Steven's talking about. You know, they, they, they can go to yeah. it if they need it. Sitting up there in the Oh, well, I got Jason Peters. I was able yeah. to get
3: him Jason Peters.
0: Could have had, what, Vaughn Miller, Zedarius Smith looked really good against yeah. the Packers. And there's a couple of guys you might, you might could have They had.
3: They, they were they were never going to have Von Miller but we need to put that one to, dre- to bed and they never made an offer to Von Miller despite what Von Miller said in that story.
1: Uh, real quick question. Um if whenever Jason Peters is ready left tackle, Tyler Smith to guard or you like Tyler Smith at left tackle
3: after one game based on what Yeah, you said? I've seen Cowboys left tackles play worse than Tyler Smith and for a guy who didn't take any snaps during the off season and uh, in, in the preseason game, I thought he was okay. he was passable. Um, right. You know, and Connor Mcgovern getting hurt that kind of messes with whatever plan you would think. I would probably would like to keep Tyler Smith at left tackle because if you drafted him to be the left tackle of the future, well, start the future man. And then if okay. you have if Terrence Steele is still having four penalties a game. Well, then maybe you put Jason Peters at right tackle. Hey, I like uh, that. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so, but look, I'm the guy who asked them in 2020 about why are you not putting Zach Martin at right tackle? And I was told this isn't fantasy football. Uh, so,
1: whatever I think, I I remember think
3: about that. offensive line play, they're not going to listen to a word that I'm saying. <laughs> so, maybe they should. Um, uh, but I, I, I thought Tyler Smith was okay. I, I thought he was fine. I mean, he had some, obviously some issues and you know Shaq Barrett got him a couple times but he had a penalty but it's a you know those things are going to happen you live with it that's fine he didn't have four penalties um so but yeah I don't remember as deflating an opener as that one maybe Carolina when they in Zach's second year maybe they lost like 16 to 8 when they scored like a beating, it it was sixteen to eight, but it felt like it was sixty to eight. Um, go back. The Parcells opener against Atlanta was a bad one, but then they won five in a row. So maybe that's the omen for these guys, right? When no one's expecting <laughs> the Cowboys to do anything, this will no, be the time no. they come back and rip them all off.
1: Go ahead. We'd love to be we'd love to be impressed and surprised. I would. I say that all the time, man. I'd love for them to surprise me. I got no problem with that. Surprise me, make me a liar. Do it, please. Yeah, <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> I why, we might be waiting laughing, a long bro. time.
3: Hell yeah. Well, maybe but again, it, I, it, Joe Burrow. Here's here's a bad. I'm sorry, Joe Burrow coming off. I assume is here's worst game, if not one of the worst games of right. his life.
0: No so way is, that's happening. Are you again. really gonna right? Yeah, it's you know? going to be rough. I, I have a hard time believing they find a way to win a game without Dak.
3: Yeah, that's a good question. If they don't what win do a see? game without Dak, then let, let's play that out for a second. I know we got to go here, but we if ain't they gotta don't go. win a game without – let's take it a step further. If they don't win a game without Dak, and let's say so that, that would make them 0-5 or whatever. Mm-hmm. At what point do they start thinking about you got to draft a quarterback because Dak's contract – you, yep. you do you extend Dak out longer? I mean, you got You got to See? Or do you start planning for the, for he, he will have been hurt in 20 and 21 and 22. I mean, and you didn't prepare for life without Romo and lucked into Dak. Can you really get lucky for a third time? So. I, don't know. I, I, I said that about the draft, it's one week into the well, season.
0: <laughs> I mean, I, I think when you look at it and you look at what you've got, Jacques and I, I brought that up on our podcast Sunday night after the game. I said, you know, this is supposed to be a, one of those really good quarterback classes. I mean, there's a handful of guys that are being projected very highly in the draft next year. Do you, for the first time since they took Aikman in 89, if you're going to have a high first round pick, if this season doesn't go the way you want, do you start looking at that going, we've got to rebuild this thing because Tyron Smith may be done. Zach Martin's not getting any younger. Zeke is probably gone. I mean, is it time to get a young quarterback in here and try to build around the guy that they failed to do when they had Dak on his rookie contract that maybe now you can take advantage of a guy for a few years and and build some of those other pieces around them to build the offense back up?
3: Well, yeah, and, and because...
1: Right,
0: wait,
3: w- what are you going to have to pay Diggs and Mike apart?
0: Right. Yeah, you got all these other guys that you need to pay. And CeeDee right. Lamb if you feel that he's going to be the number one guy that you got to pay.
3: Plus right. Dak, and, on his next
1: I'll, deal is going to cost you close to 50 million a year based on what everybody else is getting.
3: See, and that's where we had that discussion before of the Cowboys have always been willing to pay the guys whatever cash they want. They've just wanted to win the structure of the deal. And by them not winning the structure of the DAC contract in 2019, say, that's what's getting them now. And I'm not saying they're doing this, but I, because I just can't believe it would be true. But some of the, some of how they operated, it's like, all right, DAC, you landed that contract. Look what we can't give you. As opposed to some of these other teams saying operating from the, of, what can we do with the salary cap? The Cowboys look at it from a what-can't-we-do perspective. You know, you know, Matt
1: has kind of thought about it, has kind of talked about it like that, and I was like, surely yeah. they didn't do that, bro. Because that's ass I, I backwards. I can't imagine. That's hustling why would backwards. They,
3: right. Why would they?
0: I put nothing would, past why would, him.
3: Why would you possibly do that? Because you just gave the guy $160 million bucks. Like, as rich as they are, do they really just want to give away $160 million? That doesn't seem to make any sense.
0: It just, it, it it struck me as odd when they try to act like they couldn't afford Amari Cooper that you would want to invest that type of money in your quarterback and not give him the pieces to make him as good as he could possibly be. And you took one of those pieces away from him and, and just didn't replace it whatsoever. And I just wondered, I was like, I wonder if they want to find out if he can really be that guy who can raise the level of whatever he's out there with before they invest another two to $300 million in him.
3: Yeah, and I also look at the other twenty million dollars receiver. This, the receivers this year that got moved uh, all had forty million dollar quarterbacks. So th- that's an element. I think yeah. the issue is not it's not that they we all know they could have afforded Amari Cooper. Absolutely, they they could have. Mm-hmm. They didn't want to because they were kind of just tired of Amari and didn't think it was worth the twenty million bucks. Which is a fine. We gotcha. That that's a that's a sound personnel decision. But then you have to do more than give him James Washington. Right? Yeah. There has to be a yeah. balance in between that. Or you have to do more than just draft Jalen Tobert in the third round. Like, there's a balance that they could have have done. The Saints went and got Jarvis Landry. I don't know if Jarvis Landry ever would have come here. He's a New Orleans guy or a Louisiana guy went to LSU. Maybe he was always going to go back to the Saints. Uh, maybe he can't run anymore. Maybe he's just a name. But, again, who would you have felt better with on week one? Jarvis Landry or Dennis Houston? Jarvis Landry or Noah Brown? And I didn't think Noah Brown was all that bad in the game, to be honest with you. But again, the dude had 39 catches in his first five seasons or whatever it was. So that's the issue. It's not, to me, it's not, oh, they let Amari walk. No, the issue issue is they let Amari walk and they did nothing to replace him. That's the the issue. Right, right. They let let Lael Collins go and they didn't do anything to replace him. The argument being, well, they had Terrence Steele and he's ready. Okay, that's a personnel decision. We'll see if they've made the right one. But look what they did. You know, okay, Randy Gregory walks. Well, what did they do? They kept Doran Armstrong. They got Dante Fowler, and they drafted Sam Williams. Well, they're not going to be able to do all three of those things if they keep Randy. So they, the one guy they did replace was probably Randy. But they didn't yep. do much of anything else uh, at on the other two key losses uh, this year. I agree with everything you Joe just said. Here, guy. No, I mean I it, I'm it's,
0: <laughs> That's just hey, what man. it is. That's the reality. The, the front office chose to go this path and it it's it's the legit it's the old you reap what you sow. And this is what they sowed for the offense and now they're reaping some of that. And they wanted to tell us they believed in their young guys. I remember listening to Jerry and Steven and, and McCarthy up there day one at Oxnard opening camp, really excited about their young guys. They got all these these young players they, they got, what, 17 rookies that that are on the 53 or whatever it is, and you look at it and you go, that's great, but when your second-round pick doesn't get on the field but for six snaps, your third-round pick is a healthy scratch. Your fourth-round pick, and Jake Ferguson played, I think, 10 snaps. Uh, it's 11. 11 snaps. I mean, when you look at some of the youth – and then they told us, I think it was chill, that, I, or maybe it was you, one of you guys asked the question, well, how do you look at that and know that you're going to be, well, we have our projections. You know, our projections. I mean, Stephen literally sat there and said, our projections might be different than yours. And it feels like everybody who covers this team looks at each other going, what the hell projections are you looking at?
3: Usually when we come up with stuff, well, we're wrong, right? Like, we don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> right, yeah. Right? I mean, let's, let's be honest about the situation. We're wrong a lot of times. But it's a line that I've used on my wife that she doesn't like very much. Um, I can't always be wrong. We can't always be wrong. At some point, we got to be right. And after one game, it looks like we're right.
1: Yes, I like to say, bro, we don't deal in hope, faith, and optimism around here. We deal in reality.
3: See, that's what it
2: was. That's the saying. I couldn't remember (laughs) what it was. Well, there it is. Now (laughs) we know.
0: All right, Arch, we kept you a long time, man. We appreciate it. It's good to hear from you again. Thanks so much for doing it man that was good that was a nice conversation we talked to him for a while it's fantastic to hear from arch thanks for listening to the jam session podcast make sure to find us on instagram at jam session cast of course You can also find us on Twitter at McMattRadio and at JJT underscore journalist. Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas.